so there I was. I feel like anytime you tell a really good, anytime you want, you know what, pro tip, anytime you want to tell a story about something very much not that exciting, but you want to hype people up to listen to it, all Mm -hmm. you have to do is make them think that you were excited about it. So start the Mm -hmm. story by saying, so there I was. Waiting for my Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Black. (laughs) No sugar. No cream. And then, unpredictably, it came. It was hot, piping, steaming hot. Too hot for today. Exactly. But no. So there I was in my backyard with a sledgehammer staring at this moldy, I don't know if it was moldy. It was an old deck. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly, as soon as I got to my backyard, it was gone. Okay. Now that's a no, story. really, that's what I did yesterday. I, I went uh, to the hardware store. I bought a sledgehammer. I came home. Destroyed your deck. And yes, I, I destroyed a deck. Welcome to Into the Fold, a show where two best friends share their love of Lee Bardugo's Grishaverse chapter by chapter. I'm Jeff. And I'm Juliana. And this week we are talking about Rune and Rising chapters 15 and 16. Welcome back, listeners. Yes, we are doing two chapter episodes back to back. Jeff is the one who advocated for this because I was like, let's talk about Hellbent. And he was like, no, no, chapters first. And I was like, fine, 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 fine. And then I was like, you're hell-bent on talking about hell-bent. Yeah, I am. Because (laughs) it was so good. Because, oh my gosh, yes. Dude, no, guys, no. It was so good. We'll get to it in a second. But we are so close. I know we keep saying that. Like, it's like this running gag now. We're close to the end of Ruin and Rising. But then we never actually get there. But no, we actually are. Because today we're doing chapters 15 and 16. And the next episode, I think we can actually finish it. Because we've got 17, 18, and then the epilogue of Ruin and Rising, and then... We're done. You know, we should probably... We should probably clarify. We are not happy that Ruin and Rising is over. That's that's not what we mean. We just mean that we keep saying we're getting close to the end, but then we keep throwing on all these other episodes yeah. of other things that we're doing. So we're almost to the end of Ruin and Rising for real. And then we're going to go back and probably do some looking at the Shadow and Bone trilogy since we have sat with it for so long. Mm -hmm. And then we are going to start moving into the Six of Crows duology, which is going to be so fun to talk Mm -hmm. about. And listeners look forward to a trivia episode with Lucero and Danny because that has been our tradition every every book so far. So we'll have to... Have we texted them about that? No. I'll talk to them. I'll I'll send them a message. Okay, yeah. But that probably won't be for another like month or two anyway, because we still have this episode and a summary episode and possibly maybe a bonus hellbent episode, listeners, if 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 if, if you like that. If sure, if sure. you're nasty. Um Why do they have to be nasty? I just, what is that? I just like to say it, Jeff. Why? So, because I can. Do, you know what? Just because you can't do something doesn't mean you should. I I, I, I don't know. I think it's fun. That is my own okay, opinion. Great. I hold okay. it. Okay. Juliana wants your books to be nasty. I don't 
I mean, what we're doing now. I mean, to my defense, like the book that I just <laughs> read, Hellbent, was pretty nasty. So, yeah, um, the- you know what? That's a good segue. Let's 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 get into the news. Okay. From the front. news okay welcome to the news listeners and i guess our first thing on the docket jeff is the fact that hellbent is now out and you and i have both listened through the audiobook at a record speed and what are your thoughts on hellbent jeff worth the wait want to start there definitely worth the wait there were things in it that I was not expecting without getting into too much spoilery detail because we're going to save that for our discussion episode. That's why we're making it a separate thing because some people haven't gotten to read it yet. But just overall, I was expecting some things that I got a version of, but it wasn't exactly what I was expecting, which I promise if you listen to our Hellbent episode, I will explain what I mean by that. Yeah, we'll break There are some down. characters you expected to come back. There are some characters you did not expect to come back. And yet, they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was just... Especially the ending was a lot of twists and turns. And there were a lot of things where I was kind of like, will they, won't they, about certain things. And it was, yeah, it was just very good. And I feel like personally, not quite as emotionally triggering as Ninth House, I want to say. Yeah. And again, without giving too much away, there is a certain aspect of Ninth House that is very, very difficult to talk about. Mm -hmm. That particular topic does come up in Hellbent. Because it is a part of this character's journey as well as other characters in the series. Mm-hmm. It is something that they live with, that they walk with, that they learn to overcome. And it does come up in this series, not in the same way exactly. Again, it's yeah. it's it's familiar. It's it's in some ways what you expect, but she also, you know, she finds a new way to address these things, which is a hallmark of how great she is as a writer. Because those kind of things come up in these Shadow and Bone books that she wrote years and years ago. But then this is a this is a completely different world because this mm-hmm. is a world that's, it, it still fits into fantasy books, but it's much more like the world that we live in now. Yeah, yeah. And I will say there in this book, I definitely could have, I had moments when I was reading that I could literally see Lee Bardugo like sitting in her writing area, like smiling to herself, being like, "Ooh, I'm so clever," because she she is she's a very clever and like smart writer. And there are a lot of scenes in the book, without giving anything anyway, all are really uh, are just very like smartly written and just mm-hmm. very very clever in her wording. And I will say, Chef's kiss to the last line of the book. Love it. Here for it. And just in case anybody is wondering, uh, you remember when we first saw the cover art for Hellbent? Yeah, with the bunny on it. Yeah, I remember thinking we are going to get a very clear and unpleasant explanation for what this bunny is all about. You do get a clear and unpleasant explanation for what the bunny is all about. Yeah, the bunny was really interesting. 
See, I was expecting worse. I was expecting something much, much more graphic and twisted. It was just graphic and twisted enough. I I think I, what the bunny was, was I wasn't expecting the bunny to pure represent what it did represent, but I'm not mad at it in any capacity. So, yeah. I think it was a nice kind of twist on how to represent certain elements of life and things in the book. And yeah, just listeners, stay tuned for our in-depth breakdown of Hellbent to come. And if you have any opinions, feelings, or thoughts on the books, feel free to hit Jeff and I up on our podcast Instagram or on our personal Instagrams. And we are more than happy to chat Hellbent with you without giving any spoilers away to people who still haven't read it yet. So that's a good thing. Yes. Total strangers, please, at the encouragement of someone who is not me, text my personal Mm -hmm. Instagram because I love when people do that. Yeah, yeah. I'll respond. (laughs) Jeff might not. You're you're, you're going to respond to messages in my personal Instagram? Okay, I think we need to talk. If you pay me. No, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Okay. Well, next thing on our news docket is that I made two guest appearances this past week on two of our favorite podcasts jeff and that would be but make it scary with sequoia simone which what movie did i do jeff remind me you know damn well what movie you did yeah which was what i'm not going to say it you're going to say it jeff won't say it because it's literally like blasphemy in his mouth (laughs) i camp fucking rock you did camp Oh my, okay. You know what? <laughs> Sequoia and I had the wildest time ever. And she like, that episode is like an hour long, but her and I were recording for about three hours. So there's about two hours of insanity that was cut from that episode. <laughs> yeah, in all honesty, not just because, you know, we are, we are pod pals or because we've been on each other's shows a, a few times now, but in all honesty, but Make It Scary is one of the most fun and clever concepts for a podcast that I have come mm-hmm. across. Sequoia Simone is an incredibly clever and, and charming and talented host, so you absolutely must check out But Make It Scary. And if you subscribe to her Patreon, you get access to director's cuts of episodes, which are oh. longer. Oh, so you've t- listened dir- to the whole thing, Jeff, then. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to listen uh-huh. to the director's cut that's an hour and 47 minutes long. And you ah, know what okay, I have? Yeah. Uh, here's I what I have was- to say to you. Here, here is I. I have been. I've been saving this, yeah. and this is the right time for me to say this to you. Yeah. You know how I keep telling you, if you ever question whether or not we are truly friends, just bear in mind I watched Camp Rock for you. Uh huh. I would like to amend that. I would like to amend that by saying, uh-huh. if you ever question whether or not we are truly friends, I would like you to bear in mind that not only did I watch Camp Rock for you, but mm-hmm. I relived Camp Rock through that podcast and then i did it again and again with both of your respective interpretations of camp rock yeah i well i i I have not questioned if you're my friend or not jeff so thank you for your loyalty um but yeah listeners if you'd like to listen to some really bananas takes on how camp rock can play itself out go ahead and check out but make it scary and then you can also check out me on 30 Nerdy and Flirty, 30 Flirty and Nerdy with our friend Juliana Pedri, uh, where I talk about living with a chronic illness. A lot less funny, but still informative, you know. Mm. So, and we love Juliana. There were funny moments in that discussion. I listened to it last night. 
Yeah. I mean, if you have me on an episode, I generally speaking will have at least one good zinger in there. But yeah. But I mean, that's you're just, just naturally charming. That's just like the way it comes across. Now, that just, one's meant to be more insightful and motivational and just, you know, yeah. the kind of thing that you you have a good time, but it also makes you think. And Juliana has had a really, really wide range of different people on that show. Mm-hmm. And the conversations that have come from that are really, really spectacular. And Jeff, you have something that you got to do this week, correct? So I had the chance to do a TV trivia podcast with my friend Brian Sheehan. He had me on last year to do Sorcerer's Stone and... Uh, this time he's doing classic Disney movies to start off the year and he had me on to do Hercules which I honestly I didn't know how well I remembered that movie so unlike Mm -hmm. with Sorcerer's Stone where I really didn't have to do any prep work at all I watched Hercules at least twice Mm -hmm. to get ready for it I won't give away exactly how I did all I will say is the episode will probably be out sometime in February Okay, and we so did really we'll well. Oh, good. My only question is, why was I not invited to do the Little Mermaid episode? We all know that Juliana is the biggest fan of the Little Mermaid, but you know. I told him to email you. He didn't email you? No, I didn't get an email from him, but I would like yeah, to Yeah, I just... told him to get in touch with you about... He asked me if I knew anybody else that would be good on the show, and I told him ages ago that my co-host would be a perfect uh. guest to be on the show. He should get in touch with you. Oh, well, shoot me his contact information. I'll just send him a DM. I okay, I don't know if he's gotten anybody to do The Little Mermaid yet. For all I know, The Little Mermaid is still available. Oh. I will also do The Little Mermaid too, which I think is a masterpiece. So, but that is just Juliana's own hot take. No one else really thinks that except for maybe like five other people on this planet. But you Little think Mermaid The Little 2 Mermaid re- is what? I said The Little Mermaid 2 Return to the Sea is a masterpiece as well as The Little Mermaid 1. Wouldn't, little Mermaid no, 3 is never crap. watched it. <gasps> Oh my god, Jeff, you gotta go watch The Little Mermaid too. No. No. It's not to the level of Camp Rock. No. It's definitely no. no. It's definitely a Disney no. sequel. It's no. very good. No, dude, look at me. Look at me. Look I can't tell if you're actually looking at me because we're doing at, this over Skype, I'm but I need to camera. I need to at least feel like you're looking at me. Are you looking at me? Yeah. No. It's a big N and a little O. No. I have to go look up the quote that from Sebastian from that movie that makes me laugh every single time. I will find it. It's so good. Um, okay. But go listen to Jeff on the TV trivia podcast. And then again, we will be wrapping up Rune and Rising with our next episode. And then that brings us over into the voice of the people. We got a message from our friend Kaylin. I have a feeling that uh, Kaylin sent you the same message that she sent me. Did she send you just a bunch of notes that she had written down from the Q&A? Yeah, she kind of made like a little summary of some of the things that Lee talked about during the Q&A of the yeah. event that she went to. Because Lee currently is touring a few places around the United States and talking about Hellbent and her other works. And Caitlin was lucky enough to live in a city that was hosting Lee and got to see her in person and also get things signed by her. Uh, Caitlin, as of this point in time, we have not received them, but we are very excited to see what in the heck you got signed for us. So thank you for again for that so much. So basically, this is what Kaylin had to say about uh, the Q&A that she attended uh, that Lee Bardugo was doing for Hellbent. She said, 
She's working on a historical fantasy set in Renaissance Spain, and there will be Faye also. She's collaborating with an artist on a children's book that's like Wizard of Oz, set in a cemetery. She said for aspiring authors to make art when nobody gives a damn and always keep making art. She said she doesn't read fanfic because it's like someone is in her house with her family, but she did stumble upon Shadow and Boner fic and screamed. Yes. Season 2 is wild and pulls from all parts of the Grishaverse. Two books she recommends are That Self Same Metal by Brittany Williams and Long Live Evil by Sarah Reese Brennan. She didn't realize she was writing about herself when she was writing Kaz. She looked down at the first draft and was like, oh, that's me. And she wanted to be as confident as Kaz with her cane. And she found out while researching Hellbent that a cane will get you in anywhere. Mm, yeah, some interesting. Else. I'm super excited for the new Renaissance Spain book that she's writing, whatever that turns out to be. Because I mean, as you and I have learned, Jeff, anything Lee Bardugo writes is wonderful. So. Oh, yeah. I'm glad that we got even that specific of detail because I know mm -hmm. that she has said in other interviews when she's had things that are coming out that um, she's not necessarily done with the Grishaverse, but mm -hmm. that she's focusing on other things right now and that she's interested in, you know, doing more world building. So it sounds like this is the direction that she's going in and it sounds like it's going to be really, really fun. Yeah, no, I'm definitely excited, and I'm excited to get the insight that Kaylin was able to gain from being able to see her in person. So that's really, really awesome, and I'm definitely going to have to look into these two books that she recommended, too. Oh, yeah, I put them on my, I looked them up while I was preparing the notes for today's episode, and I, I've got them on my to-read list now so that I don't forget them. Perfect. I want to know more about this children's book that's like Wizard of Oz set in a cemetery because mm -hmm. I know one other children's book that is set in a cemetery. It's called The Graveyard Book by Neil Gaiman. I oh, love okay. that book. And I know that our mutual friend Spencer from mm -hmm. Not So Young Adults podcast mm -hmm. and Twilight Pod, I know that he recommended that book in an episode of their show that they did. Yeah, I haven't read that book. I did listen to the episode though where they did the book recommendations for Halloween and I do remember that being there. So I'll have to look up that one. But I'm sure whatever this children's book is, Jeff, you and our you and or I will probably end up getting our hands on it in some capacity. So look forward to that, listeners, too, whenever that happens. We have no dates on any of these things, obviously. This is all just uh word of mouth from her interviews that she's doing. So I couldn't help it. I laughed when, when she, the last two things were about her cane because one just makes you go, oh, she she put herself in her character without even realizing it. That's that's incredibly touching. That makes you love the character more. And then the second one was, oh, by the way, if you have a cane, you can get in anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I figured that out while I was doing research for a book. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's good to know that as someone with a disability, she's able to get some of the help or like services or privileges, I guess you should be you should be getting as someone with a disability. So that's slightly encouraging, I would say. So okay. I love when authors do that thing where they make it clear they didn't just decide, oh, this is an area of life that fascinates me. I shall write a book here. No, you have to do 
work okay you have to do research you have to read other people's books you have to travel to places like if you're writing a book writing a book really is a work of passion and it might not be a bestseller not everybody might like it but you have to be satisfied with the amount of work that you have put into creating something and as long as you have that then you've done what you need to do it's like she says even if nobody gives a damn just keep creating art mm-hmm yeah, I think she has a lot of good antidotes that she had to say during this little summary of the interview that we had. But Did you say she had antidotes? Yeah, what 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 were I looking for? You said you know what actually in in a way I think antidotes might somehow still be correct. I, I it's was it possible you were going for anecdotes? Oh, possibly yeah, anecdotes. Yeah, I you know what? what I was Anic- for. An, 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 an anecdote about antidotes. Mm-hmm. That's what this this moment just became an anti- anecdote about an- antidotes. See, yes. now I'm tripping over words. I'm good at talking. Gay. Oh, that's good. Glad you're here. Before we get to see the Darkling being a dickwad and doing Darkling stuff, the last chapter ended with oh by the way the orphanage that you used to live in got burned to the ground and now we're here looking at this murder tree yeah i mean this yeah no i don't know if i care about anakuya or not but i feel bad for not caring about anakuya but they killed bodkin now wow it's like the death of mad eye moody you think Mm -hmm. of him as the grizzled old you know, soldier who can survive pretty much anything. anything. And he's so tough and resilient. And he's basically bred for battle, if anybody is. So you expect him to make it to at least the big fight at the end. And then mm-hmm. maybe he goes out in a blaze of glory. But no, he just went out in a blaze. Yeah, I, I feel didn't like... know that was going to be a joke until I made it out. <laughs> I'm trying to use humor to get over the fact that they killed Botkin. Yeah. Jeff is dying inside. Uh, can I have a puff hug, please? Puff hugs. Puff uh... hug. Okay, thank you. Oh, okay. Jeff has been given a, a nice mental hug. Yeah, and I think this scene just goes to prove that one, the Darkling is clearly like heartless, and he only cares about gaining Alina's power. Like, he's not in it for her emotional health or safety or anything. Like, he's just like, I need you for your power, and that's literally it, and I'm going to find any way to manipulate you and scare you and harass you and coerce you into being on my side, because I will kill everyone you care about. Mwaha, ha, 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 ha. And of course, he he says, uh, it's a very, very darkling thing to say, but he says something along the lines of he has, it's something about how he can't feel bad because of his immortality. Like you can't, you, you can't live this long and still feel bad about yeah. all the things that you have to do or everything that you've been through because then you, you, you can't handle immortality and be that emotional about things. On the other hand, it also makes him lose his emotional attachment to other people, meaning that mm-hmm. he can't possibly 
relate to how Alina is really feeling. Because if he could understand that, then he would understand that not everything he's doing is going to work. Yeah, and we kind of see him in the past books and chapters trying to emotionally appeal to Alina, but just not hitting the mark. And I feel like this is a big him trying to emotionally relate to slash appeal to slash evoke emotions with her and like really far missing the mark on connecting him with her. And he just kind of at this point has resorted to, I will kill the people you care about unless you help me out. And here you go. Here's a good example. I killed these people. Enjoy. Yeah. And Mal is the one that speaks up and says, you do realize even if you do what he says, he's going to kill them anyway. Yeah. He's not actually going to keep any kind of bargain with you. He's taken these people because he plans to kill them. So at best, you might have to go in their guns blazing and rescue them, but he's not going to he's not going to stick to a deal. Yeah, well, I mean, we kind of see this, too, with Alina questioning his morality in his decisions, even going back to Siege and Storm, when he's like, oh, I'll keep the tracker alive as long as you do X, Y, and Z. And Alina's kind of like, um, will you? Like, I don't know if you're going to, like, kill him the second we get what you, you get what you want. So we've, we've seen this history from the Darkling where he is like, I won't do this thing, and then he does it anyway, or he attempts to do it, and we don't trust him. And, I mean, like, what what dingbat is going to be trusted in the Darkling? I mean, come on. He does not have a good track record of being trustworthy. And that's just kind of that at that point. And some of it might also be doubling down. Like, she might feel so just stupid mm-hmm. about all of the trust she put in the Darkling early on and how those decisions have helped factor into what's happening now that there might be some small part of her that has to hold on to the idea that the Darkling might not be beyond redemption because then she could feel just a little bit better about the fact that she was the only one to trust him. Yeah, I feel like Alina does have this ongoing want to have pity for the darkling and his upbringing and she definitely feels bad for bagra in a way and i feel like she she wants the darkling to have his moment of of like up upcomings like she wants him to have his his moment of uh not revival um what word am i looking for jeff like uh come like come to jesus moment you know where he just switches the flips the switch and he's just like oh wow i've been screwed up the whole time look at me i'm gonna make good decisions now i feel like alina wants that for him and kind of holds on to it the longest out of everyone in this group and we just don't really see that for the darkling he he's just gonna be a bad dude you could try having the ghosts of past present and future visit him apparently that works with some people yeah yeah we could ask scrooge maybe he's done borrowing them yeah. I'm good friends with Scrooge. I'll ask him. I'll send him a text. You know, as you do. Um, but I think in contrast to that, one of the nice moments we see in this chapter, Jeff, is we get to see Alina, like, kind of fully realize that, like, she has a group of friends. She's like, oh, they're yeah. not doing it for, like, reasons for the military or reasons for the for the um, mission that they're on. She's like, these are my friends. Like, I have friends. Look at me, I have friends. I'm like, oh, you have yes, friends, girl. Yes, this wonderful moment of love and friendship while, you know, your orphanage has burnt to the ground and there's a murder tree like a few feet away. This is definitely the time and place to have that moment. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Actually, in a way, it is because you yeah. got to have something positive to hold on to. Otherwise, that vision of, of those bodies in that tree. But how many at, at this point, how many how many different ways of, you know, people dying has she seen? Because I can't help but think Alina really Mal is somebody who was definitely like made to be a soldier. I don't think mm-hmm. it, it were it not for conscription and having absolutely zero options because they were orphans. I don't think Alina ever would have been in military service if it hadn't been absolutely necessary. No, she has way too many emotions. She's like me. Like, if she killed someone, she'd be like, what about their dog? I can't believe that I they were going to make spaghetti for dinner. I can't believe that I ruined that for them. Like, that would, like, be me if I killed someone. And that sounds right. <laughs> yeah. So That like, sounds, yep, that sounds I re- right. I relate to Alina. We both have too many feelings and too many emotions to be good foot soldiers that are like killing machines so agreed jeff agreed on that point i think it's really fun once they're settled and once they're starting to strategize in this chapter uh when they start talking about figuring out ways to bend alina's light to make them invisible yeah that's definitely a really interesting concept and something that i genuinely never really gave much thought to and still we started seeing it in the previous chapters in the book and then i was like oh yeah you could do that because what you see is just reflections of light essentially yeah and i don't pretend to understand a lot about physics i just know from Mm -hmm. hearing other people speak about it who do from what i recall that's the basic that that's the scientific principle behind achieving invisibility is that mm-hmm. you have to bend light around an object so that it's no longer, you know, visible to you. Mm-hmm. And this is what they're essentially talking about doing as a defense so that they can get in close enough to the darkling to do what has to be done. And it's yeah. fun because that's really a lot of times that's what you get with David. You get a combination of Grisha power, so something that they are able to do because they're Grisha, but you also get applications of real scientific principles. And that's what reminds you this isn't magic. It's mm-hmm. the small science. It includes abilities that not everybody has and you have to be born with, but it really is science. Yeah, and I think if you're, listeners, if you're interested in seeing something like this, definitely a lot of, like, local science museums will have those mirrors that are positioned in the correct way so that if you stand in a certain spot, you can't be seen. Um, And that's kind of, like, the very, very, very basic format of what they're trying to do is trying to reflect, refract the light and refract your vision so that way you can't be seen by the person who's attempting to see you. So it, it, like Jeff said, it's a lot of angles and lights and uh, things that are reflected upon or not reflected upon but as like the super basic version. But um, yeah, it definitely is really cool to see David in his element too, just because up until this point, we've been getting little by little more and more of David, which I really appreciate because he's one of my favorite characters and it's nice to see him being able to kind of strut his stuff a little bit and show off and be like the leader of the band for a hot second. Well, he's become so essential to the operation. For what, and their, their numbers are, are far fewer. They're mm-hmm. not in the capital anymore. Even if they were in the capital, the capital has been ripped apart by the Darkling and his legion of backup dancers. Oh, yeah. So Whole legion of backup dancers. Yeah, he doesn't even have like a proper laboratory anymore and all the resources at his disposal that he used to have so david david really is essential 
to the operation, even more than he already was. He was already coming up with the best stuff. Now they can't come up with any stuff without him. Yeah. So he gets to he he really gets to feel his own sense of self-importance, which he should. But he also gets to be where he's most comfortable, which is back at base camp coming up with ideas. He doesn't have yeah. to be out on the front lines cuz poor David, he doesn't he doesn't have the constitution for that. No, I would be with David. I would be like discovering random things and making making crafts essentially with with ballistics and uh explosives. Dangerous crafts, but still crafts. Um, and yeah, you're, you make a good point too, Jeff, that he's kind of working with what they have. At this point, they're in that house that is a very nice house, but is definitely not like a scientific lab and is not meant to be the base camp for a small army either. So they're all kind of working with what they have and really just trying to see like, hey, where do our strengths lie? What can we do with what we have? And within a certain time restriction too, because they only have, what is it, like five days before the Darkling is due to attack? Yeah, yeah, he gives them five days. Yeah, so they're all, not only are they under like constrictions in regards to the materials that they have, in regards to the amount of people that they have, uh, they're also on a time crunch too. So the fact that they're all kind of dealing with this in the way that they are, and we have to remember too, these people are like, what, 16, 17 years old? They're not very old. And no, they're really not, but in yeah. these things, they never really are. Yeah. Well, the level of calm and I would say organization they're dealing with this with for like 16 year olds, I would say is pretty impressive, honestly. Like me as a 16 year old, I would have been a hot freaking mess. And. I have a feeling a lot of my friends also would have been a hot freaking mess if this was us under all this pressure. So uh, kudos to them for mostly, for the most part, keeping their cool and like continuing to plan and get everything sorted out because that's that's a lot of work. It really is. Yeah. One of my favorite interactions in this chapter is between Tolia and Alina because mm, okay. we, we know that uh, Tolia and Tamar genuinely believe that Alina is, you know, a saint. Mm -hmm. But the way that Tolia talks to her, he 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 clearly reveres her. He he believes she's a saint, but he doesn't talk to her like, "Oh, Almighty God, I am not worthy. I'm here to serve you." No, he talks to her like a person. Yeah, which like is really nice. Like they have conversations. Mm-hmm. And I've, I, you know, we, we've, we've lived the con life. We've met celebrities at conventions before, and I think I, I, I used to be this person where I would meet a person who was reasonably famous for a thing that I liked, and I felt like I was meeting a god tier person who was better than me. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, since I've been at conventions in many different capacities and I've interacted with them, you know, in one way and another, and I've, I've kind of come to experience a similar feeling. I mean, none of them have been saints. They can't summon the sun. I'm not, I'm not saying it gets to that level, but my point is that there are some people that you think of as being on a whole nother level of person than you. But mm -hmm. then when you actually get a chance to just talk to them, you realize that, yes, they're well known for this thing that they can do. And yes, what they're doing is important, but they're just people. You can just talk to them. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's where I'm kind of like a weirdo, Jeff, is that like I, I've never been like a person who like reveres celebrities as celebrities. Like I'm just like, oh, yeah, they're people like the epitome of how I treat celebrities is that section in like People magazine where it's like 
they do things that we do too. They go to the grocery store. That's like literally like my attitude towards like celebrities. It's like, hi friends, how are you doing? So for me, like I kind of get where Toya is coming from because I like, if I had found a saint too, I would be like, oh, I feel obviously respectful, but just like treating them, like you said, like a human too, because Alina is also a human and she's also made it known to Toya and Tamar many times that she's like, I don't think I'm a saint. But it's it's like, okay, if you want to do that, but like, I, I don't think I'm a saint. And mm-hmm. it's just kind of an interesting dynamic. But I do appreciate like just the level of respect that Tolia and Tamar both have for Alina on the whole. And uh, I, I think it, that that portion is nice, but it definitely is a very interesting dynamic between Tolia and, and Alina for sure. It makes me think of, we don't get a lot of it in these two chapters, Alina and Tamar, the way we were at the beginning of, say, Siege and Storm when they were having slumber parties on the ship and she was becoming Alina's new bestie. Mm -hmm. But it's a different kind of energy. But then again, we know that Tolia is, he's more introverted. He's more the scholarly type. I think he probably lives on the abstinence principle. He doesn't indulge Mm -hmm. in any kind of like he doesn't drink he doesn't really have sex at least i don't Mm -hmm. think he does which is a real shame because i mean come on i'm sorry i shouldn't say that i I shouldn't say that he doesn't want to he shouldn't have to what 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 unlike myself you are not a single human being no no you know what no was was polyamory approved by your by your wife hey hey if ashley says it's okay i'll buy with it hey my wife and I, we sit and we watch things together and we admire how hot fictional characters are as well as real people. Thank you very much. We're married, okay. not buried. Okay. As long as Ashley says yes, I say that's fine. I have a very secure and comfortable and wonderful relationship with my wife who I love very much and she knows how I feel about fictional characters. Yeah, you have all the hot It's part her. of what makes this work. <laughs> you should, you know what, you, next time I see you I don't have anyone to report person, back to. Yeah, no, you don't. And you know what? Next time what? I see, I'm going to bring you some of my wife's mangas to show you. I'm the sure next time wild. we hang out in person. Oh, you know what? I'm not just going to bring you a manga that my wife uh-huh. has. I'm going to bring you the one that I got her for Christmas this year. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> see, I don't read any manga, but I know there are a lot of boobs in mangas. So, oh, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm sure you that got a nice big package that you're bringing me. About. It's probably a nice big package <laughs> that Jeff is bringing me. <laughs> I'm not telling you what it is. Not the kind t- 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 tied up with a bow. Different Whatever bow. you think it is, it isn't that. Just keep telling yourself that. Anyway, back to the series. <laughs> so. They meet a bunch of pilgrims, and thank goodness the apparat isn't there, but he's off doing dickish apparat things, and we don't have to talk to him, which is honestly fine. Yeah, we don't need as the apparat. As long as we don't have to talk to him. Yeah, bye. Uh, and then we start chapter 16. It's the cutest thing. Like, the, I forget. I think they tear down a curtain or something when they arrive at mm-hmm. this place that they're using as, like, their base camp. And they give it to Misha. And he's running around with it like a cave. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. That is so adorable. This this boy is obviously, if they survive this thing, this boy is obviously going to be, like, the first adoptive son 
for Alina and Maul. That's that's what he's going to be. He's going to be mm-hmm. their kid because he's got nobody. They know what that's like. He's bonded with Maul. Alina is sentimental. It mm-hmm. just makes sense. They're going to adopt this kid. He's going to be their son. Yeah, he's cute. We like him. Also, Alina should have a son because, after all, she's the sun summoner. summoner. <laughs> well, hopefully, Waggity's knackity do. Hopefully, she'll get to have many sons, many uh, many yes, adopted and many... sons. God, do you remember that song? Did you ever learn that? D- what song? You, you went to church growing up, right? Yeah, way too many times, but yes. Father Abraham had many, many sons, sons, and many, many sons had Father Abraham. Abraham. And I, I am one, one of them, them. And, so and so are you. So, so let's, let's just praise, praise the Lord. Right, right arm, on. left arm, right leg, left leg, leg. nod your head, Father Abraham. So all these, no, yeah, all these yeah. people are oh. flailing all over the church, and you can tell that it's not yeah. a Pentecostal one. It's just one of those ones where they have camps in the woods because yeah. everybody's nodding their heads and waving their limbs, and we are, wow. Yeah, yeah, I that knew that. Those, that's those were those were wild times. Yeah. And you know what? I never stopped to think about this until I was older. This thought pops into my head one day out of nowhere. We used mm-hmm. to sing that Father Abraham song, and the girls sang it too. Yeah. What? It's like, oh, that's right. They don't have that many songs about girls that relate to the Bible because the Bible was mean to girls. But we won't talk about that here. We're going to go back <laughs> to talking season. about them planning to storm the castle, and then they get a visit mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. somebody that you think is very hot. Oh, yeah. In the last chapter, My we boy. talked about somebody I thought was very hot, and now your very hot fictional boy has showed up, and mm-hmm. he's got problems. Yeah, he's kind of a demon. Like, that's kind of an issue. Bit. Kind of an issue. I mean, will he that keep you away from him? He probably kind of looks no. like Howl from Howl's Moving Castle. Are you familiar with that one? I I know what character you're referencing because I've seen the pictures of like the animation, so I know what you're talking about. Do I have any concept for the character themselves? No, but I know what, visually what you're referring to. So yes. Do you think like that's how he's looking, kinda? Yeah, I mean, I kind of imagine him. You like those gargoyles from the Hunchback of Notre Dame? Not the ones that talk, but like the ones that are sitting on the on the the edge where or like any old gargoyle where they're like kind of like crouched over and they're very muscular and like veiny and like clearly just like buff guys with wings and kind of like ears that's what I'm yeah thinking. whatever happened to those guys i feel like there was a time where we were putting gargoyles on everything and now we're not yeah. doing gargoyles anymore what happened what bring the it back i need a gargoyle for my apartment i mean like what apartment is it because is they kept falling set? on people was that a problem I think so. I mean, every comedy movie that I've seen that involves a gargoyle statue, it usually ends up doing a curse flat on someone. But you never know. But yeah. Nikolai, my boy, my boyfriend, my mm-hmm. my little man. Uh, That's he, your boo. Yeah. He is here and he is kind of seeing if Alina can cure him in a way. He runs into Alina and she's by herself. She's seen him in the forest, I think, one other time. And yeah. she, she goes off on her own to meet up with him, which may or may not be the best idea, just because, as we know, he is, like, partially a devil at this point. Um, but she does it anyway. And luckily, he doesn't murder her, so that's a good thing. We like that. And he kind of asks her to heal him. And she is kind of able to do it because he has been essentially, like, infected by the darkness, more or less, at this yeah. point. Yeah. 
And what is the contrast to, to Dark Jeff? Yes, it is light. So he is trying to see if Alina can maybe save him from the darkness that he has uh, taken upon himself per his misfortunes. And it looks like it's kind of going to work at first and then it just doesn't work. And it's kind of a bummer. But it's nice to see that Nikolai still has like a piece of himself at this point left inside of this devil for form that he has become because we see both sides of his new devil formation in this scene but we do see that nikolai himself the care like him his own personality and his soul is still in there somewhere and able to show itself i kind of wonder if the nietzsche voya had attacked someone other than nikolai how they would have reacted to it is Omar would have I just kind been of gone. Like if he would have been like possibly. See, you, I kind of wonder because you have to have a very resilient spirit, I think, in order to fight off something like this. Like you basically, there has to be something inside you. It's like the power of love, almost, or like a noble cause that you know you have not fully achieved yet. Like something that allows you to hang on to your humanity and not mm-hmm. allow the darkness to completely consume you. That's at least, that. that's my mm-hmm. theory. That's why, thank goodness, this happened to Nikolai. Because Nikolai is somebody who can fight back. Because it's like you said, he's clearly trying to fight off the beast and it's kind of working. But this is yeah. a kind of beast nobody has ever had to fight before. So nobody even really knows what this is. Yeah, and of course, I... Alina, she wants, of course, she wants to save her friend. She yeah. loves Nikolai. They, yeah. a, a lot of them love Nikolai. Even Mal admits that he doesn't hate Nikolai as much as he used to. Mm-hmm. And he admits that he was petty about the whole thing, which I love that he did that, by the way. That was very satisfying to hear him admit that. Yeah. And then they have this, it's, do you remember, You, I know you remember Beauty and the Beast. I know Beauty and the Beast very well. I was in the musical as well too, Jeff, so don't worry. You know... So you know the the moment where ev- uh, Gaston is getting everybody exactly Gaston's getting everybody all riled up Kill and she's like beast. no you can't hurt him he's my friend I love him he's and not the monster you are this feels kind of like yeah then I we mean she's not into the back of the wagon and then we bring her off to the insane asylum yep mm-hmm. I know that too mm, no they throw them in the basement and oh, then the Chip ha- in, in the movie yeah in the Who movie. Goes into the- Oh, they're try- oh, they tr- uh, I know what it is. They try to take Maurice off to the asylum oh, if Bill won't marry the... Gaston, but then when they find out about the beast, they that's throw them in the basement and lock them up and Chip that's has to is. get them out with the invention. That's what it but is. But that's that's the movie. In the play, they don't Yeah, that's they, not they the just kind of out. Oh, yeah. let's just walk off and forget they're standing there. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the play has If I Still Love Her, which I will say, friends, if you have not heard that song If I Can't Love Her. Yes. Thank you, Jeff. If I Can't Love Her, banger. Fucking banger! Someone go listen oh, to yeah, that. Oh yeah, right that's now. a showstopper. That's the season. That that's an act one finale. I almost yeah. said a season one finale. <laughs> season one of Beauty and the Beast wrapping up. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, but anyway, so Nikolai is still alive for the time being, and he flies off. They haven't solved it yet, and. Hopefully he comes back just in the nick of time to save them in the heat of battle. Mm. That happens sometimes. We'll wait and see. Wait, wait to find out, listeners. Um, but yeah, then we we kind of get the rest of the crew coming back, like you said, Jeff, having that like kill the beast moment, and Alina being like, no, 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 and 
then we still get this we we get some conversation between Mal and Alina and all the other Risha that are still there and they're still talking about killing Mal which I know is something that Jeff that you uh. are annoyed by <laughs> It's, I wouldn't even, it's not even like I'm annoyed by it. It's just like when I read this book for the first time, I'm, I, I, I don't think I really thought about it this much, but just mm-hmm. knowing where all of this Is ends going. up going and just knowing what happens in this and future books, I'm thinking, I mean, it's like any, it's like a lot of things. You look back on it years later and you think, how could I possibly have thought that that was something I should be doing. How could I possibly have thought that that was going to work out the way that I wanted it to? That's not, there, there's no way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we're just going to have to wait and see. But as of right now, Miles just kind of like processing the fact that he is going to pass away and that he is still hungry. <laughs> They're like, how do which you feel? Which is fair, <laughs> which is fair. It's fair that he's hungry they're probably all hungry because they don't really talk that much in these past couple chapters about them eating very much yeah no they're kind of running low on food i would imagine so that's yeah. kind of just what happens when you're at war they're literally they have probably burnt through their rations mm, oh a while ago long time ago but we also get some insight on the sun summoners and what the apparat had said to alina once which i think i think was a good line um, and Alina notes there's no greater power than faith. And then you had something to say about that, Jeff. You said there's no greater power than faith. And I said, I think you misspelled weapon. Yeah. Because <laughs> faith, faith is powerful. It depends on what you do with it. So yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, it is a powerful thing, period. Because yeah. for some people, there is no greater peace that passes understanding than faith. But the way mm-hmm. the apparat uses it, it's a weapon because yeah. he uses it to manipulate people because he's yeah. a dick. Accurate description, Jeff. Very accurate description. Well, I think in this scene, Alina and Mal are kind of contemplating over the fact that they're going to be working with the soul that soul. And they are banking on the fact that the power that their small little army will have will be amplified by the power and the weaponization of their faith in regards to defending Alina and the cause. So they're kind of like, we don't have that many people, but faith is a good, powerful weapon and we are going to utilize it. Thank you very much. So very true. Hopefully their uh, faith outweighs the power of the Darklings army, but we shall see. We shall figure out what's going on. But uh, at, at this point, we're all just kind of like getting ready for battle. And and you know what you should do before a good battle? What, Jeff? You should have the kind of sex that takes five paragraphs to describe. Yeah, I know. <laughs> they have sex. It I think for the first happens. time, technically. They, yes, they, you know what? It's they, slow. It's a slow burn, Jeff. It's a real slow burn getting into it. They're like, and they're like plants around somewhere. They're in like a yes, in like a uh, greenhouse, I think. Yes, Very and sexy. you know what? It is. Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. It is the only consensual sexual 
encounter between two characters who love each other that we get this much detail about in all of these books. Yeah, I think it so. Is Unless the I'm missing only something. Time this happens. Spoiler, not spoiler, sorry, not sorry. I'm not saying other characters yeah. don't have sex in these books. I'm it's saying this is the only time yeah, that it is consensual. They are happy to be doing it. And we mm-hmm. get this much description of what is happening because this love, this connection between Maul and Alina, as much as it might drive some people crazy, is incredibly strong, especially after everything they've been through. Yeah. No, I think you're right, Jeff, because I'm trying to remember if there's anything in Rule of Wolves and King of Scars, and I want to say, yeah, I think you're right in the fact that this is the most sexually explicit sex and kind of of consensual. I wouldn't even say it's explicit. It's it's intimate. It's it's very detailed, but I wouldn't say explicit. Explicit would be like fifty shades of gray. That's explicit. Yeah, that's this true. is not this is not that. This is actually a very well crafted all jokes aside, this is a very well crafted mm-hmm. intimate encounter between two characters. Yeah, it definitely is very well written. Yeah, I agree with you too. You're right. It isn't like descriptive in the way that it's explicitly like like statements of the motions it's more like emotional based i would say which yeah helps us connect to it i think a little bit better too as the reader because we can like feel the emotions that are kind of like flowing through the scene as it's happening too which helps as like an outside person watching in and yeah i mean you know what i wrote on this page jeff i wrote i wish this was nikolai like Nikolai as he was or Nikolai as he is because you know some people he's still sexier than that yeah you know what I don't care we can't have that argument because there's no way there's there's no way to prove one over the other that's subjective people like what they like and speaking of which the reason I asked you Mm -hmm. Nikolai as he was or Nikolai as he is now is because Mm -hmm. some people are into monster sex that's a mm-hmm. thing some people are into. Yeah, some he's a bad boy. Like that. Believe me, I have been to conventions. I have seen the fan art. I've seen some things, man, and some stuff. I wouldn't Whoa. recommend it. Actually, I do recommend it. Like, like go to places, meet people, take things in, keep an open mind. If something makes you uncomfortable, then step back from it, and you mm-hmm. don't have to read it, watch it, look at it, because no one can make you do anything. All I'm saying is that... There is something out there for everybody. Pretty much mm-hmm. at this point, everything that you can think of exists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just be yourself and get do what you like with consent, of course. Because yes. consent and is what? Know, sexy. Consent sexy, is real sexy. crucial, fundamental, absolutely required, not mm-hmm. negotiable. Take your pick. Before they, yeah, before they have sex... This happens, and this is the I, I wanted to end on this note just because I thought it was so funny when they're walking back to camp and they're teasing each other, saying, "Well, I'm going to tell Tolia, or I'm going to tell Zoya, you said you didn't like her hair, or oh, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell this person you said that." I'm like, yeah. "Okay, but no, let's keep this going. Let's let's keep swapping like blackmailing insults that are really thinly veiled, you know, shady jokes about." our friends and the things that they like. And I wrote a few that they could have used. 
empty <laughs> threats that Mal and Alina should have hurled at each other. I'm going to tell Jenya that you think her makeup is terrible. Ooh. I'm going to tell Adric you said you're always here to lend a hand. <laughs> I wrote that one and then I regretted it and then I didn't. I'm going mm-hmm. to tell Tolia you think poetry is stupid. Oh no. Oh no. And then this is the of of the four that I wrote, this is probably the only one that I think might have actually made its way into the book. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell Tamar you called her axes toothpicks. Oh. <laughs> for all we know, that's what she calls them. I, I forget. Mm-hmm. Does does Tamar have names for her axes? I feel or like she's someone who I would. That? I know the books that we're going to get into with Six of Crows, Inej names all her knives, but mm-hmm. I can't remember if Tamar well, she names them after saints specifically, and she taps them and says their names before she kills people with them, which is a super badass detail about. Um, yeah, the only way her. to murder people with knives is to thank the saints first and then murder someone with said na- oh, yeah. namesake knife. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, only oh, way yeah. to do it. Oh, yeah. You didn't give that many details for this week's fun segment, no, I and I have to say, that actually makes it even more fun. Just make it as vague as possible, and then just get me to do the thing. So yeah. what exactly is this? So this is kind of a take on the game that you would play usually at like a get-to-know-you event, where you play bingo, where you walk around a room and you have to find someone who's wearing a red hat, or find someone who's like been to Vegas five times, and you check it off and you try and get bingo on the sheet. Um, so Jeff, I thought it'd be fun to to read off some of the prompts that are on one of these bingo sheets and you can tell me a character who you think would do one of these things. And if you were playing this bingo, if you were playing this bingo game, you would walk up to this character and be like, oh, have, have you, uh, for example, do you dislike chocolate or have you eaten escargot? So I have a list of things that we're going to have Jeff decide which character would he pick to have done this thing. All right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. First one. A character who has been arrested. Harshaw. Okay. I can take that. He likes he likes fire. He clearly he he has a little bit of a mouth on him. I'm guessing a little bit of a temper. I, I he's 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 been arrested. Maybe not convicted, or maybe he even escaped, but he's been arrested. Okay, a character who has danced the chicken dance at a wedding. Oh, that's Nikolai. Okay, he would do that just to get people to talk. I, yeah, I agree that a character that has passed out and had their friends right all over their face. I feel like that would happen to David. Like, not like in a scary, like really dark kind of way. Just like, Mm -hmm. uh, oh, come on, man. We're all like they're hanging out in their dorm room at school Mm -hmm. doing shots of grain alcohol. And he has like one, but he can't hang. So he passes out and they just write like equations on his face because they're all science nerds. That'd be funny. I'd like that. Okay. A character who has been to an outdoor rock concert more than once. Tamar. Tamar. Tamar seems like a rock fan and also probably somebody who would get hired to work security or like hold the barricade so that people yes. can't harass the band. 
Okay, a character who has introduced someone by the wrong name before. Probably, I'm going to go with Marie. Ooh, Just okay. Just Marie seems like the kind of person who would want to be in a situation where she's introducing people, but depending on if it's high pressure or not, she might get kind of flustered. Mm, okay. A character who has never gotten a speeding ticket, not once in their life. Tolia. Ooh, okay, yeah, that's a good one. And a character who has broke the, broke a bone and had to wear a cast for that. Alina, because she's very clumsy. Yes. I think, doesn't she describe herself that way? Yeah, I think she does. I'm pretty sure she does. A character who has told an embarrassing story about you to other people. Zoya. Oh, that's Because cool. she's a gossipy bitch. Oh. A character that has driven to Canada more than once. What characters... Driven. Hey, what characters do you think are going to Canada? Mm, that's an interesting one. Somebody who's <laughs> driven to Canada more than once. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm going to go with Adric. Okay. He's got kind of a wanderlust about him. I don't know what it is. He seems like somebody who would go to Canada. Okay. And let me see what other... I'll do one more. Uh, let's do... Someone who's afraid of spiders. Jenya. Jenya. Okay. I think yeah, that was enough She characters. likes things that are conventionally pretty, and she would be somebody who probably wouldn't see the beauty in spiders, so probably not going to be spiders for her. Yes. Okay. Well, that's what I had, Jeff. I thought you. I hope you found that enjoyable, naming characters. We could have played it a little bit differently with like the bingo aspect of it, but I figure for the first time we just name characters. We can come back to the bingo side of things later. Yeah, no, definitely, and I, I, I'm a little surprised because see how I would have handled that. That was a really, that was a really great idea for a game. That was fun. Mm-hmm. I just, I was a little surprised that you didn't like come up with your own answers because whenever we have games like that, like I think mm-hmm. that's how I tend to approach it. Is I want to see what your answers are. It's like when we do like who's gonna throw a Grisha backyard barbecue or a Grisha oh. Thanksgiving dinner. Like I get your answers, but I've also got like here's what I put for mine. Yeah, I figured I since I'm the one hosting the game. I, I mean, I had opinions and I could have said them, but like, I figured since I was the one hosting the game, I don't. That's what the host usually. That in my head, as a host, I usually let the person who's speaking do their thing. But I can be more vocal next time, Jeff. That's completely fine. That is within my realm of possibilities, not outside my capabilities in any capacity. It's okay. You can always fill them in and then tell me what they were later. No, it's fine. Oh, you can just leave them as it is. It's not a big deal. So for last week's question, we wanted to know from you guys, if you were hunting the Firebird, would you rather be with Team 1 or Team 2? And pretty much everybody said Team 2, which, I mean, I I get that. Mm -hmm. Like on Instagram, love changed the world said 2. Just 2. Nice, simple, straightforward. Get it. Kayla said team two is probably the smart answer because of the whole Mal is good at not getting lost and dying in the woods thing. But with Alina, I also feel like they're more likely to win. And that seems like a lot of pressure. So I pick team one. Also, I'm a little bit obsessed with Jenya and David. So it's basically a win for me. Hmm. Yeah, that's I, a good point. My favorite part of that is that she wants to just watch Jenya and David have a relationship because that's yeah. incredibly sweet. Yeah. I also love that she's like, it seems like kind of a pressure to definitely win, so I'd rather be on the team that... I, I think what she may possibly have been going for is 
they're the team that has to do more, like carry more mm-hmm. of the weight of the action mm-hmm. instead of just being like the recon team. Yeah, so she'd rather staff. be on the team. Yeah, there's like the team that gathers information and then there's the team that takes the information and actually has to do stuff with it. So I, I, I get that. Yeah, they're like that. the stage crew. You got the, the the primary actors, and then you got the stage crew. And sometimes it's more fun to be the stage crew, honestly. Uh, sometimes it is, yeah. And sometimes it's stressful, Not too, Yarn though. 112 said, I think being on Alina's team would give you the best chance of survival. And so, again, you know, they're the ones... We're seeing things from their perspective. They're the main, main characters. Mm-hmm. So they're the ones who are going to have the most to do i still think it would have been fun to like have a bonus chapter or a bird's eye view of what they're doing team quote unquote i don't know how yeah i don't know how this 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 split like this moment when they're going after the firebird i don't know how that's going to play out in the netflix series but i have a feeling Mm -hmm. if they keep it in two teams and they split them up we're gonna see what the other team is doing and we'll probably get some six of crows action in there too Oh, yeah, because the crows are, are an important part of it. I don't know if they'll necessarily be in Ravka. They'll probably be back in, uh, they'll probably be back in Kerch. Yeah, doing Ketterdam stuff. But, I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll be in there too. Yes. And, and I then, think that we all know, Jeff, that the last team is made up of three people. Who are the three people on the last team? I know that your favorite answer to the question is Kaylin's because she said, Team three, I'm not leaving Nikolai's side. Yes. Yeah, I first bet. of all, that's totally up to you guys because he's definitely going to like include you as his carry-on while he flies away doing demon stuff. Yeah, that's I mean, gonna I, think, work. I think he's strong enough to carry two people. Yeah, the strength is not the concern. The Nikolai side of him is going to be like, I can show you the world. And the demon side of him is going to be like, die! Yeah. And then throw you. So you're basically you're gonna it's gonna be every time the demon takes over, he's gonna be throwing you and you're gonna go ah. and then Nikolai's gonna swoop in and be like, just kidding. No, I'm not. Throws you again. Ah I'll make sure to bring my parasail. Die there. Ah. Yeah. Over and over. Like that's gonna be that's gonna be how you travel. You know how like sugar gliders have those wings that are built in between their arms and their sides? I'm just gonna get uh-huh. like a, a sweatshirt that has that, so that way when the dark when uh, Nikolai lets us go, Caitlin and I can just like whoo, just like drift for a little bit, and then he can come pick us back up again. So that way, no harm, no foul, you know. My personal favorite answer though comes from Tarot by Joseph, who said, "I'm going with Team Two because on cat, yes, <laughs> on cat, key player in all of these books. Who's the star of this of this book series? Definitely on cat, on cat, yeah." No, cats no. are great. Cats are great. Badges, badges are great. Also, badges. Badges, badges are, are great. great. So those were some really the, those those were some great answers. So thank you guys for for getting in on last week's question. Mm-hmm. So for this week's question, we're getting ready to go into the final battle, and we all know how these things tend to go. At least one person that you love will survive, and at least one person that you love is going to die. So, which member of Team Alina would you most and least want to see survive the final battle? We'll have the question posted on our Instagram. You can comment or DM us on Instagram to answer that way. You can also send us an email if your thoughts are going to get a little bit longer than that. 
Yes. And listeners, again, next week we will be talking about chapters 17, 18, and after, which is the epilogue. So go ahead and read that if you'd like to. And between then and now, if you'd like to get in contact with us over here on Into the Fold podcast, you can listen to us where all pods are cast. And you can find us also over on YouTube at Into the Fold podcast. And our Instagram handle, just one more time, is at Into the Fold Pod. We post there pretty regularly, and we're usually pretty good about uh, getting back to people. If there's any mm-hmm. questions you have or anything you want to talk to us about, we would love to hear from you. Yes. And if you have a more longer form answer, you can send it to Into the Fold Pod at gmail.com, and we'd love to hear from you there as well. And you can also check us out on our Etsy shop where you can get custom pins stickers, and also a custom-made Kefta art piece by yours truly at the Grisha Trading Post on Etsy. And if you would like to do something to help us out and brighten our day and just do your bit because you're just so gosh darn nice and pleasant, we'd love it if you'd leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere you listen so that we can share it here on the show with all the other listeners and they can hear how nice you are and once again if you have reviewed us anywhere other than apple Podcasts or spotify and we have never read your review please send us a message on instagram or email and let us know so that we are not leaving you out we try to keep up with most of the major podcatchers but some of them make it easier than others to see reviews Yes, and if you would like to do us a solid, you can also share this show with other people you know who you know would enjoy reading the books along with us, and we thank everyone who has done that so far. And until next time, we'll see you in the fold, or maybe we won't, because you've learned to bend light and you're invisible. I had to get a possum out of my backyard yesterday with a shovel. That is also a thing that I had to do. No, there's no way I'm letting my cats go outside. Okay. Indoor cats. The cats can look at the backyard. They they can enjoy the view. Fine. So I think this uh, message that we got from our listener, Karen, was... Is it Karen? Kaylin. Kaylin. It says Karen here. Oh, wow. You wrote... You called her a Karen. Oh, I'm sorry, Caitlin. <laughs> you know I love you. Anyway, <laughs> yes, we do. We adore Caitlin very much. Yeah. So, and now I will take a drink of this. What? You have a note here. I said there's no greater what? power than what? faith. And you said something else below it. Would you like to explain? Oh, yeah. I... <laughs> I'm going off of your own notes. Listeners, Jeffrey is not reading. <laughs> I'm like, Jeffrey, oh, yeah. wrote you wrote notes. You're said... like, I don't know. No, no, no. <laughs> Well, you're jumping back. I jumped forward. Figure it out. Let's see. What would be a good question? Let's look back at what happened in this chapter. Something holds the children hostage. There's not going to be the children. And pilgrims and the Sanjay control. I thought you were going to go for the obvious joke. Thank you. You didn't go for the obvious joke, and I actually kind of appreciate that. What was the obvious joke? She blinded me with science. Oh, no, I definitely... She blinded me with science.